0: Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And it's been a couple of weeks, but we are back and it is time to get prepared for spring practice. The get ready to get underway on Tuesday. Uh, it will be uh, March 1st through April 9th. It will conclude with the spring game. In Keenan Stadium, uh, and the Tar Heels have a lot of questions that need to be answered. Matt Brown spoke with the media on Tuesday of this past week, a week out from the start of spring practice. So, we'll go through and tell you some of the uh, the biggest things that. We heard there uh, and we'll also do a little thing that we were going to, you know, we were expecting to do because spring practice sort of crept up on us a little bit here, uh, which was a QA and a with fans. So we got some questions from you guys. We're going to go ahead and answer those, um, how we see them, uh, you know, uh, some good opinion questions from you guys. Um, we'll also shout out, uh, you know, where we got the questions from and everything like that. So make sure you stick around. For that, But as I mentioned, we are going to start with uh, some of the takeaways from Matt Brown's pre-spring practice press conference. Um, he jumped in and, and, and pretty much went through the entire roster uh, to begin. That was about a 20-minute segment uh, before he took questions for about 30 minutes, um, which were pretty much just based on what he had said before then. And, you know, I think that the thing that really stuck out first to me, was the sheer amount of injuries that Carolina is going to be dealing with uh, here during the spring. They're going to have eight guys that are going to be out that will not participate at all in spring practice. And these are some pretty significant names uh, that are not going to be able to go for the entirety of the spring. Jaquarius Conley, not really that shocking. Remember, he suffered that uh, that lower body injury against Wofford, um, so he is not going to be available. Giovanni Biggers, this was something that Matt Brown pretty much revealed during this press conference that – He uh, did have something that he was dealing with late in the season, but he decided to hold off and wait until the season was over to get it operated on. So he will not be back there. So that's two of Carolina's three biggest starters from a year ago at the safety spot that will not be out there. Of course, Trey Morrison also uh, no longer with the team. He was in the transfer portal is transferring to Oklahoma. So three of the four Uh, Biggest contributors at safety for Carolina will not be with the team in the spring. Meanwhile, uh, DeAndre Hollins, Day Day Hollins, still out from the injury this fall that kept him out uh, after the first game of the season. He will not be out there. You will not have Jaleel Taylor, who was injured in the bowl game. Um, No real specifics on what exactly that was, but I believe that was lower body as well. Um, And he is out for the entirety of the spring. And then, you know, you've got some guys that uh, were pretty significant parts of this team or, or, or have been pretty significant parts of this team um, depth-wise um, that we thought may, might be able to get an opportunity to prove themselves during the, during the spring here this year. Um, but they're guys that have been injured a ton so far in their career, and they will not participate either. Wyatt all. Trey Zimmerman will take medicals and will not be on the field in the spring. Kendall Core, the uh, tight end, will not participate in the spring either. Uh, and Kedrick Bingley-Jones out for the spring uh, with an upper body injury. Uh, also, you know, a bunch of guys that are going to be limited. Uh, Kamen Rucker going to be non-contact throughout the spring. So I think he's going to do some things on the side but I do believe that he is a guy that you won't see in pads. So uh, that definitely hurts Carolina a little bit, especially because he's one of the guys that it feels like they're trying to figure out where exactly he's going to fit in this new defensive scheme. A couple of other guys that are going to be limited in the spring that Mac Brown talked about. You got Tamari Fox, uh, who will not be out there. Um, He'll be limited to a certain extent. Storm Duck still limited, Uh, That one definitely concerning considering how many injury issues he's been uh, dealing with Don Chapman uh, as well, amongst the guys that will not be able to be a full go out there. And then there are other guys that they expect can eventually become full goes as they go throughout camp. Main guy to keep an eye on there uh, is Justin Olson. He'll be part of a battle uh, for that. The second outside starting receiver spot. Uh, that last year, Carolina couldn't get consistent production from. He'll be a big part of that moving forward. Um, you know, when you when you talk about injuries, I mean, as as I bring in my my co-host Josh Marlowe here for this edition of the podcast, you know this this is something Carolina's kind of been used to dealing with over the past couple of years. But for the most part, in the spring, this has usually been a pretty healthy group. This has definitely got to be concerning, especially with. All of the things that Carolina is dealing with uh, offensively, still trying to replace some weapons, even from two years ago in certain spots, but especially from last year um, and trying to sort of rebuild that offensive line. And meanwhile, on the defensive side, you're doing all you're, you're having these issues while you're trying to shift the scheme and and try to learn everything that Gene Chiswick and Charlton Warren are going to want to put in place.
1: Yeah, it really makes things difficult on Mac Brown and this coaching staff to to have this team as prepared as they need to be when they open up fall camp in the summer with a lot of questions around the program, and um, I think that's one reason why, recruiting-wise, they've been attacking, trying to just add quality depth on the roster, because when he got here, that didn't exist, and I think he's done a relatively good job building depth in his first three years since he's been back on the job, but... This right here shows you just again they've still got a ways to go to get to the type of depth that you really need to be a championship-caliber team and a program. But I really think it's going to hurt you more defensively because you're, you're having to replace guys that left the program and then you're, and then you're implementing a new scheme and guys that you're counting on to be on the field, they're not going to be in there during the spring. And that's usually where you get a lot of, you do a lot of your installs. You learn the basics of the scheme and stuff like that. So it appears that Carolina will be behind the eight ball on the, on the defensive side of the football in the spring, which isn't good because I think the general consensus around the program is they're going to need the defense to be light years better this year for this team to be competitive. Uh, in 2022. Well, one of the main focuses when camp starts is really going to be on
0: trying to find the right fits for certain guys in this defense because, yeah, this this is a scheme that is shifting. Um, the back end looks like that's pretty much going to stay the same. Um, I, I think, you know, there'll, there'll be some guys that may move around there, but I think that was probably going to happen anyways. Um, Don Chapman looks like he's probably going to move back to free safety, which was what Mac Brown was saying on Tuesday. Um, and that's really, I think, more due to the depth. Uh, back there more than anything. Um, And, I, 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 you know, I think when when we say that there – I don't think there's a lack of bodies to a certain extent. Now, he did say that at wide receiver, that's an area where they don't feel like they have – a ton of guys right now heading into camp uh, because of some of the injury issues and and you know the fact that that's an area where at the we Carolina looks like they've done a great job there, but it feels like they just don't have these guys that are breaking out. So I mean, there are options there, but it's probably going to be about seven or eight guys that are actually going to be in camp uh, scholarship wise. I think defensively, there's guys that are there. It's just about right now in that front seven figuring out where exactly everybody fits. And on the back end, it's really about some of the younger guys stepping up and sort of proving that they deserve to be on the field. But it looks like it's going to be a lot of the same guys back there. Cameron Kelly is pretty much going to start it at, at free safety. Um, that was pretty much confirmed by Mac Brown on Tuesday. Um, and to me, that's, that's one of the more concerning things. Hopefully there's somebody that can step up there and sort of challenge him a little bit for that spot. Or, I mean, look, hopefully he ha- can step up and, and become a little more consistent as well. But like I said, finding the right fits is going to be important. And that's the main focus I think for this staff, uh, you know, throughout the spring and, and in that front seven, especially figuring out some of those guys on the ends, who's going to be a linebacker, who is going to be, you know, able to still rush the passer. Um, and and Mac Brown did sort of confirm that there are a couple of guys um, that are, are going to stick a, as pass rushers moving forward. It looks like a bulk of those guys are probably going uh, to do just that. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think there were a couple of guys that probably shocked some people with where he put them at. Um, you know, Javari Ritzy is, is looked at as what he calls a power end along with Dez Evans. Um, that's kind of interesting because we saw Javari Ritzy last year sort of play, um, you know, inside at times. Uh, he, he thrived a little bit at that 3 4, uh, you know, 4 I defensive end technique spot. So, We'll see. Now he's going to be more on the edge. Maybe that suits him a little bit better. But he was a guy that even in high school, I uh, was used to playing inside. And then the other one that I think jumped out to me was that he did say Keyshawn Silver will be playing nose tackle this year. Um, when he was coming out of high school, I mean, he had a pretty solid frame, but he played a lot off the edge. So. That one definitely shocks me a little bit, but I think one of the main things that the staff is going to be looking for here um, this d- during this time is really going to be how exactly do the pieces fit up front where, where the Torials simply have to be better in that front seven.
1: Yeah, and I think the thing about that is I think we all trust Gene Chizik to put his defense better together than – we did Jay Bateman, right? Because look at his track record. He's worked with Mac Brown before, um, what he did at Auburn, and then what he did when he was Carolina's defensive coordinator back under Larry Fedora. And look at the talent that he had to work with and look what he got out of that defense. He has more talent now to work with. He has more depth now to work with. And it always felt like under Jay Bateman, he was forcing the players to fit what he wanted to do, not adjusting his scheme to fit their talent level. I don't think that's going to be Gene Chizik. I think – he will recognize each player's strengths, their weaknesses, and and adapt his scheme and philosophy to what they do best and what they don't do best, which would then lead you to believe that they're going to have a much better defensive unit. So they do have some things they got to figure out, um, and injuries don't make it any easier in, in, in the springtime. But I'm a lot more confident that Gene Cizik will put the guys in the right situations more than I ever was with Jay Bateman. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and you have to be because, yeah, as you said, this this guy's proven to have done it at multiple locations before. Um, and, you know, he's done it here. And, yeah, I mean, you're right. That, that was a defense that, one, didn't have as much talent when he took over as this one does. And, two, they were in a worse spot than this defense was. I know that this Tar defense – really underperformed. I know this was a group that really struggled in certain areas, primarily with getting after the quarterback, but this was nowhere near as bad as it was under Vic Coning at the end. Um, that was a defense that a- any time that group was on the field, they literally could not stop anybody, no matter who the opponent was. So, I feel confident that, you know, he's going to be able to get these guys in the best spots for them because he had to do it the first time, too. He had to shift the scheme completely then. Um, and you're right. I think the thing to remember about this, and Mac Brown said this on Tuesday, the guy, wherever some of these guys are starting at, that doesn't necessarily mean that that is where they are going to be in the fall. This is, this is where we think they're best at right now. And when we go throughout camp, we could find out, hey, a guy fits better here and this guy fits better in his spot. So let's switch them. So we'll 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 see some of that throughout the spring. But I think, you know, for the most part, um, some of these guys are probably going to stay with where they are put on this, you know, in, in this initial, not really depth chart, but layout of the roster. Um and and I think that, you know, you'll see some guys sort of start to settle into these roles. Uh, moving forward. One of the other things that I think you, you have to talk about here and that is going to be a big part uh, of what you know the focus should be on for the staff and and, and even for you know fans during uh, the spring as they check out the spring game later on in uh, in, in the month of April is the search for offensive playmakers. You know, we, we, we talked about it as the season went along that, look, there were some guys that had really good seasons, uh, primarily Josh Downs, Ty Chandler, and towards the end, Antoine Green. But this is a team that's still searching for, you know, some of these guys that can restore the offensive firepower that we saw back in 2019 and and 2020. And you know, look, the, the Mac Brown said this is a team that's really struggling in certain areas, especially on, you know, third and short and in the lower red zone is what he called it, which pretty much means inside of the 10-yard line. So they definitely got to find those guys, but overall, they've just got to find more consistent playmakers and with Ty Chandler now gone, running back is a huge area where Carolina's got to find some guys. Um, They've got to find somebody that can step up and really find that next group that's going to be uh, the, you, you know, the, the, the stars in that backfield and then you know wide receiver they've got to find some guys that can be more consistent throughout the entire year I don't question Josh Downs uh, but I still have questions about Antoine Green can he do it for the length of the season Mac Brown seems confident that he's taking another step forward this offseason and then outside of those two you really worry about who are the guys that are going to step up? Because we were expecting maybe towards the end of the season, somebody would start to show some signs of something to be confident in. But I never really got to that point with some of those guys on the outside. Justin Olsen, you know, had a couple of moments, but still only finished the season with 10 total receptions. You never really saw that from J.J. Jones. So that's a big area of concern for me.
1: Yeah, and I think it's something that, um, Carolina, they've, the, the sooner they can find that, the better, because you're going to be breaking in a new quarterback. You want to be able to have guys that you can count on outside of, of Josh Downs and, 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 and Antoine Green when you're throwing the football. And I look back at that, that core of freshman archers you brought in last year, Blackwell, Paysour, and Jones, and I, I expect those guys to take a step forward this year and be a big part of what Carolina wants to do in the passing game. They've got the talent. Um, it was just more about last year. They couldn't get on the field for whatever reason that it was. And then in that running game, I think that's going to be the big key. If when, when We've seen this offense when it can run the football with the running back. Not not having to use your quarterback like you had to use a lot of times last year with Sam Howell, but when you can line up and run the football with your running with your running backs, and that also depends on your offensive line play, that's when you've seen this offense really play at a high level. I think the running back group has talent. Um, I, I think you look at a guy like a British Brooks, who's a guy who you you know when he's on the field he's gonna he's gonna run hard. But you look at some of those other guys in that backfield, DJ Jones, Elijah Green. You're bringing in kamaro Edmonds. I think there's talent there, Caleb. Hood, if he can be healthy again this year, it's just figuring out how to use how to utilize them all. And I think it'll be kind of what we thought it was gonna be like last year. I think Carolina's going to want to use two to three guys in that backfield. They weren't able to do it last year for a lot of different reasons, but I think best-case scenario, the quarterback's got two or three options that can hand off to run the football with.
0: Yeah, and, and look, we're going to talk about that here coming up because that is one of the questions that was asked. So we'll, we'll get to that a little more in depth on who exactly we think uh, is going to be a part of that. But Mag Brown said, We're looking for three. He said that the other day. And he said that last year, even too. He, this was never, the plan was never, hey, we're going to have one guy, maybe two. Um, And that's going to be our focus. But that was kind of the situation you ran into last year, in large part because of the injury issues that you had where DJ Jones came in, started showing some flashes, um, but ultimately gets banged up. Then Caleb Hood comes in, plays one game, looks pretty good, gets banged up, doesn't come back, uh, you know, really in full force at all. Uh, The rest of the year. Uh, They go back to DJ Jones. He gets banged up again. And then you basically get to British Brooks. That was. Kind of a last resort. They just threw him out there to see if he could change anything that was going on. Um, it ends up working out pretty well. Uh, the last three games of the season, and now he's a guy that's going to be a key part of that running back group. But yeah, they need more consistency for that from that group for sure. And again, it all goes back to the offensive line, and we'll, we'll talk about them as well later on. But yeah, for for sure, th- this is a group. I th- this is you know an offense that's still looking for more consistency from its playmakers so much so much of what we talked about last year was just inconsistent play and you're right I think the talent's there you know looking at the wide receiving core I think the talent is definitely there um it's just you know can you have some of those guys start to step up and and, and start to break out um is the question, and we'll we'll find out. In the in the spring, there's going to be opportunity for those guys. Uh, that that was one of the things that uh, Coach Brown said on Tuesday was he's going to push that trio uh, of. Freshman and, and also Tylee Craft, uh, who was a guy from the class before, is going to be pushed as well. Somebody has to emerge from that group. And I think J.J. Jones is the guy everybody probably looks to first because he got the crack last year because he beat out some of those other guys clearly for those reps, but we'll have to see. They need somebody though uh, that can step up and help them out there. Now, the one everybody of course wants to talk about is the quarterback battle. And look, he was pretty brief on this. And and I think part of that is because he knows that he's going to be talking about that throughout the entirety of the spring. Um, And I think the other part of it is there's not a lot that's really known here. And, And, we talked about after the Wofford game. Look, we think that based on what we saw in this game and based on some of the other things that we've seen before between the two guys, that we would give the slight edge to Drake May. And look, it's very slight. You can we've learned many times before in college football, you cannot go off of one or two games. when it comes to determining who's going to be a future star or really who's just going to be a future starter because you learn pretty quickly when you do that that some of these guys may not be all that great. Not saying that's what's going to happen with these guys, but it feels like we're still a long way from the resolution here at quarterback. And, I I mean, I, I think this is probably one that's going to be extended out a while Um, But we'll have to just wait and see. But but Matt Brown, I think, kept it brief because there's not really a whole lot known at this point at the quarterback spot.
1: Yeah, I would imagine this thing goes into fall camp. But I think even when you get into fall camp, we'll have a pretty good idea of who's leading the competition and who's, who's, who's trailing the competition. I would still lean today if I had to bet Drake May will be the starter of the first game of the regular season. Um, and, and that's just what I feel, but um, I, I think that's the right decision. I think Carolina needs to give these guys a chance to exhaust the battle, exhaust the competition, and and whoever wins it, I think will be the starter. I think both guys have a lot of qualities that can be really good in this offense um, and, and give Carolina a chance to win a lot of football games. But you know, it's just something that, uh, look, Mac Brown's done this a time or two. He's handled a you know a couple of quarterback competitions during his time as head coach. When he first came back to Carolina, he had a three way battle with Sam Howell, Cade Fortin, and Jace Ruder. So he knows how to handle these things, and it, it'll all work itself out in the end.
0: And look, well, I mean, I know you were a big Cade Fortin guy. Um, I've liked you know some of the things that we saw from Jace Rooter, and I'm wishing him the best at North Texas. I think that Mac Brown even though that decision went into the fall, I feel like Mac Brown made the right decision there amongst that trio. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think you're, you're right. Um, and, and he, he said that on, uh, on Tuesday that they, they are going to let it go into the fall. Um, that's no shock. Um, I, I should say he said that they will let the decision go into the fall unless it is extremely obvious. I, 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 I think, I, I don't know that there's enough separation. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they are also in the boat of uh, Drake May. Who knows? Maybe they see something with Jacoby Criswell that has him ahead. But I think, yeah, this is a battle that's going to go on for a while. Um, the last thing that you know I took away from this was I think the, the thing that was sort of pushed throughout the entire press conference, um, even once we started getting into the questions being asked, and that was that you know and and Mac Brown I think this was one of the first times where he was extremely honest about what happened last year first of all he said that he felt the the spot where the season really fell apart was the game against Georgia Tech. We've never really heard him admit that before. I think us as fans probably knew that that was the spot, that that was the area where everything started to fall off just a little bit. But it was never actually admitted from those within the program. But one of the other interesting things that he said was that it really started with that game against Virginia Tech. He felt like this was a team that really believed in themselves, believed the hype um, that was around the program coming into the season. And when they lost that, first game that pretty much took all of the steam out of that and some of that lingered even throughout the next group of games now Carolina of course found a way to you know beat down Georgia State and you know with, thanks to an offensive clinic, really tore apart Virginia to win that game. But really, I think things, you know, when they got tough against Georgia Tech, this was a team that was still having some doubts about themselves after what happened in that first game. And that pretty much ended the season right there. It was hard for them to get back on track at that point. One of the things that Matt Brown said um, that I thought was interesting, he basically said, we're starting over. Um, And I think that's, you know, people are thinking, well, we're starting over where we're basically back to rebuilding from three and nine and two and nine. No, that's not what he's saying. He is saying in terms of the mindset, he said this is a team that needs to get the chip back on their shoulder. And I think that is about the best way to put it. This was a team last year that was really feeling themselves Um, Really thought that coming into the season, they had a really good chance to not only win the ACC Coastal, but potentially challenge Clemson for the ACC Conference Championship. And as we learned throughout the season, if they would have been able to live up to expectations, they probably would have had a fairly good shot at that. But um, now it's about trying to get them refocused, trying to You know, sort of regain that mindset that they had the first two years, which was that we haven't really accomplished much. And if you look at, especially on the defensive side of the football, um, and, and, you know, now to a certain extent, even the offensive side of the football, this group as a whole really hasn't accomplished all that much. A lot of these starters were not a big part of what Carolina did even back in 2020. So, um, it is going to have to be a completely different mindset, and they have to start believing that, hey, um, you know, we are a more talented team than people are going to give us credit for in the preseason, and we need to show that. That's the mindset they have to gain back starting in the spring.
1: Yeah, look, let's just play, be plain and simple here. This was a weak, a, a, a mentally weak football team last year. And it started with the coaching staff, and it permeated throughout the players. And that's why the things happened and the things they did, and that's why the season went off the rails. And Carolina was one of the biggest disappointments in college football. They've got to get back to being hungry. They've got to understand that there's not going to be a lot of trust in them, a lot of expectations out of them, which is what which is what it, it should be off of last year's disappointment. When this team was hungry, when Mac Brown first got here in year one, even though they were a 7-6 football team, they were a competitive football team. And then year two, they, they built off of the year one success and they rode that all the way to a New Year's Six bowl game. And then last year they read into the hype and they fell flat on their faces. Now this year there is no hype. There is no expectations nationally. There is some within the Tar Heel uh, faithful, but nationally there's not gonna be a whole lot expected of you, which is a good thing. And they need to get back to being hungry, looking to find something to prove about themselves individually and then collectively as a team. And if, if they do that, and I think as long as um, – and we talked a lot about this during the basketball season – as long as they're playing hard and they're and they're competing, we'll we'll live and die with the results because you can't quit. as long as we're not having to question the effort. Last year there were games that this team lost that they just simply didn't try in. And that was the most frustrating thing for them. So as long as they're trying and they're competing and it feels like you're getting the most out of what this team is, we're gonna be okay if this is a six and six football team that is a six and six team that. Tried every week to get to be the best version of itself and not 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 ride the ups and lows of a football season.
0: Yeah, and look, there's talent here. I, I don't think this is a six and six football team in terms of talent. So. Yeah, but it's all about what kind of mindset are you taking? Are there going to be games where I felt like, you know, that was the mindset this year, especially that game that Mac Brown referenced in Georgia Tech? And I think to a certain extent, even Florida State, especially when he got off to the start that you did, where you felt like those teams were just going to roll over to you because you were expected to be the better team. This year, there's not going to be that many games that you're going to head into and people are going to be expecting that from you. Not unless you get off to some unbelievable start to the season, which no offense, isn't really going to be easy for this group because there are a lot of question marks and it is a pretty tough schedule out of the gate. So this is a team that has to bring that mindset to every single matchup that, Hey, we have to prove ourselves in this game. None of these games are going to be given to us. And if they think they are, especially, you know, they're going to play Georgia tech again this year and they play them late in the season, but look, you doubted, you, you doubted that team a year ago and they came out and almost, and, and destroyed you. Um, and, and, you know, you, you, there's, there's other teams that, will you'll probably do the same with this season, but you've got to bring it for all 12 games this year. and, it's, it's all about the leadership. Who are, those, who are those next group of guys that step up? Offensively, it's an extremely young group. And I think some of the leaders, people probably don't want to hear this, are going to be on the offensive line because that's where you've got the most veteran presences on this team. Um, not, it might not necessarily be a bad thing moving forward as the season goes along, especially if some of these guys can step up and play well down there. But who are those other guys that emerge as leaders can Josh Downs become a leader for this team moving forward is there somebody in that running back room uh, that can you know join alongside British Brooks and become a leader I mean British Brooks we know he can lead he's done it for three years as, as you know a special teams member and then defensively look you're getting Raymond Velasic back I think that's huge for your leadership group but you're losing um you know your leader on the front end in Jeremiah Gibble. You're losing your leader on the back end in Trey Morrison. So who are the guys that step up and take over those roles? If you have the player leaders, I feel confident, more confident in this staff than I felt a year ago in the staff um, in terms of leadership, primarily on that defensive side of the football. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, you know, so we'll come back uh, to this edition of the podcast um, here in, in just a minute, and uh, we'll get to your questions—a Q and A Q&A with the fans. Uh, we got five questions that were asked to us. We'll go roll through them, give you our opinions on those questions, uh, and then we will get you out of here on this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. But first, we want to tell you about DraftKings. If you're a hoops fan. And we know there are some of you here. Make sure you check out the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. It's too good to pass up. I'm talking between the leg 360 windmill good. If you're a Miles Bridges fan, he may pull that out at some point for you here. Uh, New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code T-P-P-N, that's T-P-N. P N bet just one dollar on any NBA team and get one hundred fifty dollars in free bets if they win. That's promo code T P P N at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Twenty-one plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Voidware prohibitive, minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee Redline Line, 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777. Or visit ccpg.org slash chat in New York call 877 8 hope and why or text hope and why to 467369 so we move on and we're getting to those questions for you guys uh, that you sent into us in our Q&A portion uh, of this uh, chat uh, of this edition of the podcast And I think you guys did a really good job uh, with some of these. Uh, We got a pretty good uh, response to these. Sometimes when we've done this in the past, we haven't gotten a great response. So I really appreciate you guys uh, that did send in questions. And uh, we've got some good ones here for you. Uh, We will, of course, uh, give you guys credit, um, point out where we got them from, who we got them from as well. Um, And first, let's jump in with this one uh, this is from our guy Chapway Entertainment on Twitter he says how much of an impact does Gene Chiswick and Charlton Warren make on this defense in year one this is actually a two-part question so we'll, we'll, we'll start with that um, buddy how much do you think Gene Chiswick and, and Charlton Warren can make an impact on this team uh, here in their first year back in Chapel Hill
1: I think they're going to make a major impact. I think Carolina will be more sound in their technique. I think that they'll be lined up more often than not in the correct uh, formation and, and what they're wanting to do. And I think they're going to be a more physical defense because that's something Gene Chizik had here when he was here the first time, and that was not something we saw under Jay Bateman's scheme where Carolina was more of a finesse group. and And Carolina's got to become better at finishing tackles in the open space if they want to take the step forward defensively. And I, I, I think the secondary will will benefit from having Charlton Warrington back uh, coaching them as well, a good oversight for Dre Bly, something he needs as he learns his way to become a, a college-level position coach. So I'm expecting a big impact defensively for Carolina from both Gene Chiswick and Charlton Warren.
0: Yeah, I think so too, and I think it starts with – the mindset that this defense is going to have. I I think, you know, the first year and even, you know, at at points in in the second year, this was a defense that was confident in itself. I feel like last year, really, I I don't think it was, I, I think they did a good job against Georgia State for the most part. I think after that game against Virginia, where they simply couldn't stop anything that Brendan Armstrong did, uh, this defense lost all their confidence and were never really able to regain it. I don't think that's going to be an issue for them under Gene Shizik and Charlton Warren, two guys that are just about as experienced as it gets. I mean, look, Charlton Warren, you, you, the, the players on this Tariel defense, and especially in this Tariel secondary, should feel really confident to be coached by this guy and, and, and should be excited to play under him. This was a guy that. Left being the defensive coordinator by himself at Indiana to come here and be a you know co-defensive coordinator with Gene Shizik, but Gene Shizik's going to call the defensive plays for this group. Charlton Warren, you know, is doesn't have as many responsibilities as he did at Indiana, and he did that to come here and coach you guys, and coach with Gene Chizik. So you should feel confident. You're right. This team has to be much more physical than a year ago. They have to be able to get off the of blocks. And I think that this is a staff that's going to be more creative in trying to do that. They are going to stress more physicality. Gene Shizik said that in his press conference when he came back. And the other thing that they're going to stress, and they've already started to stress it um, probably to these guys out of the gate, is they've got to limit the big plays. That was something that I don't think we talked about enough when we talked about this target defense as the year went along. This team led up some really significant plays that hurt them throughout the year. Mac Brown pointed to the Florida State game the other day as one of the big games that changed because of that. The long run from Jordan Travis pretty much changed the entire game. Um, and, and I think that they are going to focus on limiting those plays more this year. Um, and, and I think that that could allow this team to have more success. I, like you said, this is a team that has to tackle better. Mac Brown said that's going to be something that's going to be tough to do in the spring because they are so limited. They're going to limit contact um, throughout the spring, especially for the guys on the defensive side of the football because they really can't afford to lose any more guys there. So that is definitely concerning. I think that probably – has you feeling a little more reserved about how quickly they're able to turn this into uh, the type of defense that Carolina needs. But I I think they definitely will make a pretty decent impact here. Um, One of his other questions, and and I'll go ahead and answer this, because this is really just kind of a a straightforward question. Uh, Carolina's defense is going to be more 4-3 or 4-2-5. Look, with, with the way that, College football primarily, but even the NFL at this point is played. Um, you're going to see a lot of four-two-five for this team. That's going to be really. That'll probably be your your primary base. Um, you will see a lot of nickel corner on the field, um, and you know I think that that the one thing that may deter that is the fact that. Uh, Carolina does have to find a new starting nickel um, with Don Chapman moving back um, to safety. Carolina's got a couple of guys that they're going to give uh, a pretty good look uh, there too. It, uh, DeAndre Boykins um, is the guy that, you know, was kind of the backup there a year ago. Uh, they're going to give him a look there, um, but they also are going to give Obi Aguna a look there as well. So I think you'll see that, uh, but don't rule out seeing a, Four two five. I, I think there is a chance that you will, or, or a 4-3 sets, I should say, um, because I think there is a chance that you're, one of your starting outside linebackers in a 4-3 is probably going to be Ra-Ra Dilworth, and he is about as athletic as it gets for a linebacker. Um, he, he was one of those guys that when I was kind of talking through in the offseason about some of the moves that Carolina should potentially look to do, um, if they stayed under Jay Bateman, one of the ways that I was thinking there was a chance they could try to get him on the field was to move him to safety. So uh, he's got that much athleticism. So Don't be shocked if you see some 4-3 out there at times, but... Yeah, 4 is probably going to be the, the thing that you're going to see the most. Next question comes to a guy uh, that we, we know pretty well. He's been a, a listener to uh, the podcast for a while now. He's also been a guy that has run a lot of the articles over the years. David Swink on Facebook. He says, do you guys really think that there is a competition at quarterback, and do they look at a two-quarterback system uh, this season? So – I, I, I think I'll start us off on this one. First of all, legit quarterback competition. Yes, there is not enough that's known about these guys. This is not a situation where Carolina brought in a guy from the transfer portal and he's experienced, but Carolina is throwing a younger guy that may have been in the system for a year or two up against them and calling it a quarterback battle. Basically we've seen it before in the past, just a prove it sort of battle out of the gate for a veteran player. There is not much known about either one of these quarterbacks. Um, we've seen them in, in game action, extremely limited, mostly garbage time up until that game against Wofford, and even in that game, that was a lower level FCS team, and. You know, I I think the guys really didn't separate themselves that much in that game. Um, It would have been different if, let's say, Drake May came out and threw for 300 yards or Jacoby Criswell came out and threw for, you know, four touchdowns and ran for two more. Okay, maybe then we would be saying, hmm, there's a little bit of separation here. We might have to – is there really a competition? There is truly a competition here at this spot for sure – I think that there is also a third guy that's in this to start out. And Mack Brown said there was a third guy. I don't know if that's, that part may not be as legit as some of these other parts. I think Connor Harrell is someone you can't count out of this conversation just yet. A guy who just took home the high school football uh, America's Player of the Year. Um, that's an award that's been won by guys like Derrick Henry, Leonard Fournette, um, I mean, it's, it's as big of an award as you can get from, you know, a- any of the entities in, in high school football. So, um, he, I think is going to be a part of it, at least early on. Um, and then in terms of the two quarterback system now, no, there's, there's no chance that they're going to look at that. Matt Brown's had two significant quarterback battles. Uh, In his time as a head coach, one of them was back in 2019. As we talked about earlier, he settled on Sam Howell pretty early in the fall. And I think that it was probably even earlier than that, where he knew that that was who was going to be his quarterback. The other one was when Colt McCoy was battling for the starting job before he eventually went on to have the career that he did against Jevin Sneed, who a lot of people probably remember eventually went on to play at Ole Miss. And that was one where two, where uh, look, there was a chance. I think a lot of people felt like at some point um during that offseason that they were going to go with two quarterbacks. Matt Brown, you know, went through the summer um and and into the fall and eventually settled on Colt McCoy. That was arguably uh the right decision for sure. I mean, Jevin Sneed had a really good career of his own at Ole Miss, but Colt McCoy took you to a national championship game, so they definitely made the right decision there. I don't think there's any chance that they're running with a two-quarterback system. What, what are you thinking on this one?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there is a legit quarterback competition. There should be a quarterback competition um, because there should be competition at every spot on this roster moving forward to create that kind of competitive environment that you need in your football team. Um, and, and and I'm with you. I don't, I don't envision – us getting to that season as an opener. Maybe the season an opener. You may see both of them. Outside of that first game, I, I don't see them running two quarterbacks. It's it's so hard to do in today's football with the way you play up tempo and stuff like that. And um, there there are only a few coaches that you could really trust to do it. And I know Mac Brown's won a national championship and stuff like that. He doesn't. Excuse me. He doesn't fit the mold of doing that. Um. I do think it'll carry over into the fall, but like with Sam Howell, I think we'll know about halfway through fall camp who our starting quarterback will be come August 27th.
0: And, and most of those two quarterback systems that you see now, it's really strategic. It's it's guys that you're bringing in because they're short yardage quarterbacks. They can you know run the read option, pick you up first downs. It's very very rare now. That you see teams that go into even that first game of the year, and will will have a legitimate two quarterback competition basically still going on in in games. I, I don't that that was something that has really disappeared over the last handful of years. I would say within the last five years because yeah we we saw it with Larry Fedora. Um, you know, Marquise Williams, Mitch Trubisky is the one Tario fans most remember and probably gives them uh, the most concern. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't see any way. I, I'm not even where you're at. I think they will for sure know who their quarterback is going into that first matchup against Florida A&M. I, I think, yeah, you might see two quarterbacks. In a blowout scenario, you might see that that second quarterback. But I don't even know about that. I think that might be one of those ones where you're keeping the guy that you picked as the starter out there because you want to show that you are confident in him. Um, but I, I think they'll know who their guy is by uh, that first game of the season on August 27th uh, against Florida A&M. Uh, this next question coming from our guy on Twitter, Chatway Entertainment. He says, outside of British Brooks, who in the running back room will be in the rotation? Um so, yeah, I'll, I'll let you go first on this one. I don't know. I mean, British Brooks, I think, is a clear guy that's going to be one of those three. So I guess maybe out of that, out of that group that's there, who do you think are the other two uh, that will be a part of that rotation? As, as Matt Brown sort of alluded to, he wants three running backs. So who are the two that you think uh, will be in there with British Brooks this year?
1: You know, I think it'd be easy to lean DJ Jones, Elijah Green, and those guys, but I really think the two incoming freshmen are going to have a legitimate chance to make their mark in the rotation, whether that's Edmonds or George Petway, and then the third guy I do think will be Caleb Put. I think he has too much to offer in a lot of different ways to not be on the football field. So I think Carolina's got to be diligent. I think they've got to figure out. Who they want to use, when they want to use them, and how they want to use them, but um, they've 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 got the talent there. It's just sorting out how to best get the most out of all that talent. But keep an eye on both of those freshmen. I think they're both going to be big parts. One of them could be a big part of this team this season.
0: Yeah, I, I think, and and I think you got to mix your pet. Uh, Edmonds is a redshirt. You, you're talking about Amari and Hampton. Um, who comes from Cleveland yeah. High School. Two guys that were legends in the state of North Carolina, very similar numbers in high school. Um, the, the, um, look, I like Hampton a, a ton coming out um, for sure because I think he's comparable to what Javante Williams was. The thing that sort of gives me hesitation about him playing a significant role this year is that he's not an early enrollee. Um, and I think that could factor in, in this group. there's other groups where there, there could still be questions when some of these guys join in, in June, meaning there could be a chance for some of these guys uh, to play. But I think running back, you'll have a decent idea of some of the guys that can factor in Hampton, I think still has enough talent, but I would pet, pet away, I think is, is going to be a part of that three man group. Um, I think you, you've seen him, even at some of these All-Star games, the versatility that he brings is going to be just so difficult to keep off the field. Um, you know, he's got good speed. He's a guy that's going to be able to give Carolina sort of what they are going to miss with Ty Chandler departing, I don't think he's going to be as polished as Ty Chandler or, or Michael Carter before him um, in terms of, you know, his, his, his vision, his decision-making. I think there will be some times where uh, he's going to have to work through some things with that, but um, I definitely, I definitely think that his ability to move out to the slot, um, which we saw in the Under Armour All-American game, is going to be just so valuable. Carolina is going to be able to use that because there could be at times where moving him out to the slot um, could allow you to move Josh Downs around a little bit. Um, it could allow you to get more creative w- with that aspect of your passing game. So I definitely think that Petaway is going to be involved there. T- outside – I mean, th- that third spot I think is going to be really tough because I think – You know, with DJ Jones, you really want to believe that he can be that guy there. The biggest issue for him really isn't the fact that he hasn't produced when he's been out there. He's been banged up each of the past two years, right? When it seems like he's starting to get himself into a little bit of a rhythm, he ends up getting hurt. So we'll have to see if he can sustain that there. I think Caleb Hood might be that guy um, from this group because we saw last year uh, he, you know, was already – pretty high up on the depth chart. He comes in, plays well in that game against Virginia, but gets banged up, and that was really the last time that we saw him fully healthy the rest of the year and and, and really saw him in a major role. We saw him a little bit um, towards the end of the season, but I think now he'll be able uh, to sort of get himself a little refocused. He'll give Carolina what they want in sort of that short yardage, hard-running um, back. And I think that's something Carolina still needs. I think there's an element of that for sure to British Brooks. We saw it late on last year, but I think they're still looking for sort of that power guy moving forward, but do not sleep on Kamara Edmonds. Um, Mac Brown went out of his way to mention him the other day. He's lost 25 pounds. And even with that, he's still got a pretty big frame. Remember he was a four-star running back, Commit uh to Carolina in last year's class, there is definitely a lot there. He's probably the sleeper in that group right now, but I think it's probably gonna come from that group of four right there, where you'll see that three-man rotation. Uh, this one comes in to us from uh Dwight uh Osley on Facebook. He asked, guys, is it possible? that there are any more players that will be added through the transfer portal? Or do you think that UNC is done this? Wow. This one, this is probably the toughest question that we have here because I would like to say that I think they're done um, just based off of kind of where we're at right now. And I will say this, I think the group of guys that are in the transfer portal right now, Caroline is probably done with. They've, If not, you would hear some sort of interest. You would hear some news on that front. If Carolina was interested in somebody, they'd be hosting somebody on campus coming up on March 5th, something like that. We're not seeing any of that. Um, I don't, I cannot say that I think they're done yet though, because I think that there are going to be some evaluations of where this roster is at by this coaching staff at, you know, throughout the spring. Um, I, I, I don't know, you know, defensively it's going to be really tough. I think they may still look at some guys that's probably going to be, you know, may, the, the secondary seems, you know, like it could be an area where they could look to add if they feel like there's not enough depth there. Um, but I feel like with all the injuries, it's still going to be tough defensive front. I think they're going to let guys figure it out in linebacker too. But offensively, I think that's an area where if they feel like they need an upgrade and a big enough name hits the transfer portal, I, I think they could still go after somebody. So I'm, I'm going to say they're not done just yet. But I think the only reason that I'm saying that is because there are going to be new guys that are going to enter the portal uh, here after spring camp uh, concludes, everything like that, that, that could change it.
1: Yeah, I think. As of today, they're done. But they don't need to close the book all the way because you never know, first off, who can enter the portal at any given time. Then, as you mentioned, if if, if if they grade their their roster throughout spring or whatever, they might come back at the end of April and say, hey, we need a need at this position or that position or whatever. And you could go in the portal to get somebody. The book should never be closed on that. That, that is a part of college athletics now. That's the best way. To, uh, to now to rebuild your team quickly in a lot of different ways. So never say never to adding talent to your roster in that way. The difference is, is last year, remember – Matt Brown said they're the cool place. Everybody wanted to come to Carolina to play with Sam Howell, to play with a team that went to a New Year's Six bowl game. It's not the same this year because you're coming off a disappointing season. Sam Howell is no longer here, so you may not have the same interest from other players, but they should never be, be done looking to add talent to that football roster.
0: Yeah, it's, th- this is something that's always going to change through until the season starts or, or – I should say, until they reach that deadline where you can transfer and still be a part of a team the next season, um, which I believe is July 1st. I think that's when that deadline is. So there are going to be other guys that are going to enter. There are guys that are going to realize the role that I have on my team right now in the spring is not what I want. And there th- there will be a chance for Carolina to go out and get some guys. And like you said, they're going to be evaluating a lot of spots – one of the spots that I think, we, we just talked about it. If somebody doesn't emerge at running back, that could be an area they could take a serious look at moving forward. So we'll have to see on that. I wouldn't close the book just yet on them adding somebody else. But, yes, I think the three guys that they've gotten right now um, – you know, as of today with the guys that are in the portal and where Carolina seems to be at mindset wise, will will be the three guys uh, that Carolina will take transfer wise heading into the season. Last one that we got here, uh, Chapway entertainment on Twitter asked, can the offensive line actually be better now that we do have better athletes, but maybe not the experience compared to the guys that we lost. Um, so really, I'm just going to take. It. Can this group be better with the guys that are there now, uh, even though they're younger? I'm going to say yes. Um, I mean, look, experience is a big part of, you know, offensive line play for sure. But look, Carolina's got some. Well, let's not act like there is no experience on this line. My um, Sim Richards is is still there. Um, now his role is 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 kind of, you know. A little in question, a little bit, especially in, at this point, we don't even know where he's going to play. Mac Brown said on Tuesday that he's a guy that's playing both tackle and guard, and there are a bunch of guys doing that. Uh, pretty much everybody that has had some sort of experience before. Uh, this spring outside of I think Ed from what he was saying they are playing multiple positions they can play either guard or tackle or center and tackle or center and guard they're all over the place so Carolina's trying to find the best five guys down there and I think you're looking at Some of these guys, they're probably a little bit more flexible in where you can put them than the guys that Carolina had this past year. So I think there is a reason to be pretty confident that this group can be better than last year. The other reason to be confident that they can be lighter than last year, it really can't get much worse. The numbers were awful for this group a year ago. Um, And even, I mean, you look at guys like Joshua Zudu and Marcus McKeithen, Those were your best statistical offensive linemen, and they still had rough years compared to the years that they've had before in their careers. So, yes, I do believe that this group uh, is going to be able to be better than a year ago. Um, The thing is, I can't guarantee you that. There are some questions here for sure. Um, The lack of experience is something that probably will show up early in the season, but it's really only a group that can go up from here. So at this point, I'm choosing to be confident uh, that I think they can be a little, that they can be at least a little bit better than a year ago.
1: Yeah, because it can't get much worse. And if this team wants to compete to go to a bowl game, the offensive line's got to be better to help mask breaking a new quarterback, new running backs, and new wide receivers. Um, I think they've upgraded the talent on the offensive line. I think they've got better depth on the offensive line. It's now about Stacy Searles. Can you coach or can you not coach the talent in the depth? And um, I think we all know how we feel about Stacy Searles, but Matt Brown bought it, brought him back for a reason. Um, and so we must believe he, he can still get the most out of this group. And hopefully that's the case this season.
0: Yeah. And, and there's, there's guys here that are, are probably eventually going to emerge that we might not even be talking about right now. Um, You know, I think Zach Rice and and, and even Trevion Green to a certain extent, uh, Matt Brown's extremely pleased with what he's seen from those guys. Now, granted, it's in the weight room, but I didn't realize that Zach Rice from the start of his senior season to now has put on almost 30 pounds. He's about 315 pounds. So he is the exact size that you need him to be to play anywhere along this offensive line. I think there's a legitimate chance that he plays you know he, he could be a starter at that you know at some point this season. I think there's a chance he could be a starter out of the gate if enough guys aren't able to quite step up um, and he gets that opportunity here early on in spring practice. But there are other guys on this team that you probably haven't realized have been here a really long time. And the other thing here is And you can say whatever you want. It's an excuse, whatever. This team was not, clearly, was not healthy last year at the center position. And that was a big part of what broke down this team a year ago, because that's where the communication on the offensive line starts. I mean, you got to remember early in the season, Brian Anderson, Kieran Johnson switching on and off throughout. Um, Anderson was banged up at the start of fall camp, never got healthy really the entire season, and Kieran Johnson supposedly got banged up really early in the year and kind of just played through it. He met, Remember, he missed a game at one point during the season uh, when they had to start Caden Baker and eventually went back to Um, You know, Kieran, I I believe Kieran Johnson didn't didn't miss the game, but didn't start the game, I should say, and eventually came in and had to take over the role midway through that game. So if they can get these guys to even be somewhat healthier than they were a year ago, it feels like they have a chance uh, for that group to improve. Moving forward. So again, we appreciate all those questions that you guys sent into us. Really great stuff there. We hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, and if you have questions that you want to send to us at any time, make sure you do send them to us at Heel Tough blog. Uh on Twitter is the official page. You can DM us there. Um, you can send it to our personal pages. Uh, at HTB Anthony for me at HTB Josh for Josh. And you can also send a a message to our Facebook page uh, on Facebook uh, at Heel Tough blog or just search Heel Tough blog in the the search bar at the top. That's where all the articles are at too, all the Facebook videos, all that great stuff. So make sure uh, when you do go there to ask those questions, you do like and follow the page so uh that is going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast i want to thank josh for hosting with me want to thank you guys for listening and as always go tar heels